0: It's a new year, so new ideas... No, it's still about Brexit. If we embrace the changes that I've been discussing today, we will ensure that British agriculture and the rural economy more widely will be able to benefit.
1: Yes, uh, more from Michael Gove speaking this week at the Oxford Farming Conference in a short while. Also, as it is 2019, we do have new ideas as well. Later, we'll meet Tom, Dick and Harry, three robots who could soon be heading for a farm near you.
2: The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
1: Hello, welcome to a new year here on the programme. And I'll be honest, I wish I could start with good news, but we're starting 2019 with a truly terrible story of how one farmer's new year was shattered, thanks to, he thinks, hair courses. Now, as I was sat chatting with you this time last week here on the programme, the A1 was just reopening, having been closed for much of the night after a flock of sheep got onto the carriageway. A number of vehicles were damaged before the road was closed between Cosworth and Stamford, and nearly three dozen sheep died, with many more injured. It uh, appears haircoursers are crashed through fencing, spooking the flock, uh, forcing them onto the road. Andy Marsh has spoken to Stretton farmer Wilfred Bothwell.
3: 35 dead, we know, and uh, then we have 10 or 12 that have injuries that we visibly can see with broken legs, and then we have the balance that are just sore or bruising and stuff we can't see what we know they're they're sore so it'll just take time for them to hopefully they'll be still in lamb when this is this is over for them i mean that's a major concern those of them that uh, are pregnant they may lose that baby yeah they may have to have something done to them when the vet sees them yeah well that's a third of our flock so it's quite a considerable amount to have to you know if we even lose 25 percent of the lambs like, them you should scale in around 1.8, 1.9 lambs per ewe. So, 25, 30% loss will be, it'll add into money, like. Yeah, I was going to come and ask you about the impact on the business. I mean, obviously, you've got insurance, but at the same time, it's still a huge blow for you. Well, insurance will cover the dead ones. They won't cover the. the how can they assess which is going to have lambs, which is not? They're not going to be fit to tell that, like. So, we're not going to get paid for that. And we have to see how the ewes settle back down again after this, because in a month's time you could still have problems with them, you know? So we're just leaving them at the moment and trying to get them back to normal as quick as possible, just feeding them and not getting any stress. But the sheep are... They're just nervous. You just know what they run away to the far end of the field as soon as you drive in now, and it's what it is. So they've actually sort of taken on board that experience, and they are... um Changed in some way. Oh, they've changed a lot. They're just—they're just not. They're just—you'd know—they've been stressed, and it's—you know—sheep it's do not like traffic, do, and lights, and things like that. So it's—they were pushed out there, and for them to be standing on the, on the road like it's something they don't stand on. They stand on grass, so it's a massive shock to be. And they've lost friends through it. You know, they've the comrades, and the ones sheep run together in batches, so they've lost. They're—they're they're missing their comrades that are not there, so yeah, it will take time for them to get over it. So we don't know for certain what happened, but you feel it may be hair courses? Well the fences were broke where the sheep have been pushed through and sheep don't move at night, like in general once they have somewhere, that's where they stay for the night when, they're, when they're, they have their feeding, all's there they generally just go and lie in, but they've busted a fence, travelled over 100 acres of arable ground and then went busted out onto the one so it ain't normal Like it just doesn't doesn't happen it's sad because you know it's something you've, you build up and it's not something you do overnight and then you see that all happen and you you know we've had a bad summer where it's been very dry for the sheep and they have suffered with that and we've just got them in good condition for the, going back to the rams and then this happens and you think what's it all for?
1: What's it all for indeed? That's uh, Wilfred Bothwell, the farmer who's seen a third of his flock of sheep either killed or injured, thanks to suspected coursers driving through his land, forcing the sheep onto the A1 last weekend. What a way to start the new year. Of course, uh, for many, the new year started, as it now traditionally does, at the Oxford Farming Conference. And DEFRA Secretary Michael Gove was again the keynote speaker. Uh, he said it's time farmers started to embrace life after Brexit. Here's some of what he had to say to delegates on Thursday. A proper food strategy must look more
0: widely at the socioeconomic factors and trends relating to diet and health problems, such as obesity, diabetes and other diet-related illnesses. And the fact that these problems disproportionately affect more disadvantaged sectors of society should offend our sense of social justice. That's why we need to ask searching questions about just where, how and why poor diet occurs. I want our food strategy, therefore, to be ambitious, to ask big questions, and to challenge lazy orthodoxies, to place food security on a sounder footing, to enable food producers to plan for the future with confidence, to provide a proper understanding of the real economics of the food industry, to harness the potential of new technology to improve productivity, to make that productivity growth genuinely sustainable, and to improve the nation's health. I see our food strategy as another opportunity for Britain to show a lead in this world of opportunity. Now of course, there is already one conspicuous way in which we do lead the world when it comes to food. Our universities are home to some of the most respected agriculture, food and environmental science, vet medicine, land management, chemistry, zoology and botany departments in the world. A new generation of farmers, scientists, Bio and agritech entrepreneurs are already reinforcing Britain's reputation as a centre of excellence and innovation. But I want us to go further. There is a huge opportunity for British talent to shape the fourth agricultural revolution. But we need to ensure that we attract even more talented people into the food and farming industry. Now, of course, food is at the heart of every farming business, and farming is the backbone of the rural economy. Our ambition at DEFRA to lead the world in our thinking about food depends on our ability in the first place to maintain a healthy farming sector and overall a robust rural economy. And that in turn requires us to think about the role of government in supporting all those who live and work in the countryside. Now we have already pledged to spend the same level on farm support in cash terms after we leave the European Union right up until the end of this parliament. That is, and it's often forgotten, a greater degree of security over future funding for farming than that enjoyed by any other existing EU nation. I recognise, however, that farming, because it is a quintessentially long-term business, benefits from as much certainty as possible about the future. And with the scale of change coming that I mentioned earlier, the more assurance that we can provide, the better. Now, I cannot here entirely preempt the outcome of the government spending review, but both the Chancellor and the Chief Secretary to the Treasury are committed to using that review to support growth, to encourage technological innovation, and to demonstrate British leadership in areas of business excellence, as well as spreading prosperity more equitably across the country. So, if we embrace the changes that I've been discussing today, We will ensure that British agriculture and the rural economy more widely will be able to benefit in that spending review. Embracing change, supporting reform is the key to unlocking the Treasury's special box.
1: That's DEFRA Secretary Michael Gove speaking at the Oxford Farming Conference this week. We'll explore some of the themes he addressed over the next few weeks here on the programme. In fact, we'll address one, that of robotics, in a moment when we hear from the small robot company. First, our first report of the year from Open Field, direct from the Oxford Farming Conference himself. Here's Jerome Fielder. Hi, Sean. Happy New Year to everyone. This week, I've been attending
2: the Oxford Farming Conference, which has been very engaging... Topics such as floating farms, reduced meat diets and Brexit has led to much debate. There are many questions about subsidy moving forward, although the government seem reluctant to tie their hands. The title of the conference is World of Opportunity and speakers have been positive but highlight that farmers must be adaptable. Anyway, on to grain markets. Wheat markets drifted slightly over the winter break due to lack of trade activity over the period. However, values have levelled off this week, with May 19 trading at circa £178 a tonne. Barley markets' discount to wheat has grown over the last month as export demand has reduced. Domestic buyers are favouring feed wheat. All seed markets have been trading at circa £320 ex-farm for some time now. The pressure on prices continues to be U.S. soya, as China have not imported U.S. soybeans. Relations between the U.S. and China improved during the G20, but will this continue? Hopefully next week there will be more to discuss, as traders come back from holidays and the market becomes more liquid. Now for your ex-farm prices. For feed wheat, January 19, it's at £172, depending on location. Um, with a Group 1 premiums at 12 to £15 pounds above that of feed. Uh, on new crop, November 19 prices uh, between £155 and £157 pounds ex-farm, again depending on location. Feed barley values, uh, approximately £165 pounds ex-farm for spot movement. All seed rate markets um, are just below £320 at the moment, about £318 spot movement, depending again on location. Not November 19 values are the same at 3.18. Uh, feed beans still trading in, in the low 220s and new crop values that you're looking at around 180x farm for November 19 feed beans. They're all your prices. If you have any inquiries, please speak to your local Openfield farm business
1: manager. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks, Jerome. Jerome Fielder from Openfield. We heard earlier from Michael Gove speaking at the Oxford Farming Conference in the week. During that speech, he touched on automation and robotics as one aspect which will shape the future of agriculture once we leave the EU. The small robot company hopes that will be the case as well. Sam Watson-Jones is its co-founder. And just before Christmas, I caught up with him to find out more about the company and what they're doing. So a small robot
4: company uh, is trying to create robotics and AI which will digitise farming. Um, so this comes in, in in two streams really the, f- the, f- the first stream uh, is around uh, creating a digital view of the field, um, so that um, f- to us means uh, a per plant view of the field so that we can go into a field of wheat for example, and understand what 's going on with every single plant in the field and also understand what 's going on uh, with every square meter of soil uh, you know i 'm a fourth generation farmer from from Shropshire and it uh, both annoys and saddens me that, that this aspect of how we manage our farm hasn't, uh, hasn't advanced really over the last four generations. You know, my, the way I make a decision on my farm is basically the same as the way that my great-grandfather made a decision in the 1930s. You know, we walk into a field, we treat the field as our management unit, and then we say, well, this field needs more nitrogen, or this field has a disease issue. and uh, and then we, And then we treat the whole field basically at the same rate. And so with the digital data bit that we're trying to achieve, um, then that, that enables us to move beyond that. And then that leads to, to taking action in fields. So, so we, to do this, we're creating uh, three robots and, and a support function. So the three robots are called Tom, Dick and Harry. Tom is a monitoring robot. So Tom is the doing the digital data bit that I just talked about. He goes out into a field and monitors each individual plant. Uh, and he then passes that data through to an AI, artificial intelligence driven operating system called Wilma. Mm-hmm. And Wilma is the brains. She's the boss of the operation, if you like. And she's analysing that data and she's turning it into something that's useful for the farmer and helping them to make decisions. That's great. That, that side is, uh, is really useful to the farmer in its own right. But even more useful is when we get the other two robots, Dick and Harry, involved. So, Dick is a micro-spraying and non-chemical weeding robot. So, taking that plant-level data uh, and then going out and just treating that plant. So, if Wilmer identifies that an individual wheat plant has uh, a disease issue, mm-hmm. um, Dick goes out and sprays just that wheat plant. And likewise with blackgrass, for example. So, so we will be able to identify. Each individual blackgrass plant in the field, and then um, the ultimate aim is to remove those, remove that blackgrass plant without the use of chemicals. So we're we're looking at uh, electrical charges and lasers um, at the moment as the two approaches to this. Um, but uh, but basically, Tom takes a per plant view of your of your field so you can you can see the the, the young blackgrass plants growing up and alongside the young wheat plants and we can locate that blackgrass plant to within a centimeter and then we send a, a second robot dick out to go and remove that remove that problem so you know this is obviously potentially enormously revolutionary for, for the way that we we think about and manage our farms and the final robot is Harry and Harry's a digital planter so placing individual seeds in the ground and varying the seed spacing and seed depth uh, based on again based on artificial intelligence so so not based on what we do on our farm unfortunately which is a great deal of what we did the year before and what we've always done Um, but actually holding in the head of the robot all of the research that has ever been done anywhere in the world on the plant that you are growing and the soil type that you are farming on and the market that you're trying to sell your crops into and um and and basically using that data to determine what the optimum seed spacing is so again uh, it's about giving each individual plant the best chance to achieve to achieve its potential you know really what we do at the moment if we're honest is we go well this is roughly what we think the seed rate should be in our field so well then we'll up it by 20 percent to to allow for 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 lack of germination mm-hmm. uh and then we'll just crack on but we're saying we'll we should be much more accurate than that, and this, I suppose, is the, the sort of the core frustration behind uh, my desire to to start this to start this business is that there's there's a growing gap between what is technically possible, you know, the advances in sensor technology, the advances in artificial intelligence, the advances in robotics that are having big impacts on, 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 in other industries. But there's a big gap between the technical possibility and what actually happens on farm. And Small Robot Company is there to, to address that. You know, we're there to bridge that gap.
1: What was it that made you break free, if you like, you know, from the old school of thinking and thinking? No, we there is a different way of doing it, and we need to embrace it.
4: Well, the inspiration for the idea came from uh, Harper Adams. Um, so, so the family farm is three miles away from Harper Adams. Mm. Uh, they have been pioneers for for years around uh, asking questions around what is the way that we are farming uh, the best way. Mm. Um, in particular, there's a guy called Simon Blackmore, who, who many of your listeners will probably have heard of, who is um, has become really the world expert in in robotic farming uh, and he uh, he asked this question you know, what if it wasn't tractors what if it was something something else what if it was small smart machines he uh, and, and he, there was, you know, he pulled out all sorts of fascinating stats around the benefits of using uh, small machines such as you know 95% of the energy that we use on farm through in cultivation is to correct damage that we that we we ourselves caused mm. Uh, and uh, around the amount of carbon that is released uh, into the atmosphere as a, as a result of ploughing um, and just the the, the the inefficiency and the inaccuracy of using these, these big machines so as well as a replacement hardware um, for farming, so as well as uh, instead of big, heavy machines, let's use small light machines. Um, we also, as I said right at the start, see this as, if you like, a gateway to, to digitisation. Um, you know, the, the the core problem that I see in farming, the core frustration I have is that, that we're not operating in a digital industry. You know, we make decisions in analogue ways and we take action in analogue ways. So we see robots as being able to provide that digital view of the field and uh, and. Take if you like digital action, um, and that uh, that's a totally different way of farming, and it's it's something that is better for the farmer. You know, these things will be cheaper to use. They'll be using much much fewer inputs. They'll be much more accurate, and it, and it's much better for the environment as well. And that's the. The, the exciting thing for me is what Small Robot Company is. is a yes, a, a, an exciting, innovative startup. But it's a it's an innovative startup led by a farmer. and And what we have an opportunity to do, is to have, uh, is to have, these difficult questions answered by British technology and answered by by British farmers. We have a, we have an opportunity to lead in in this way, and uh, and, and and that's what we've been doing um, over the last few months. is is getting a group of farmers together who are going to help us design this system
1: um, so that it is really useful to the farmer and it, and it really makes a difference. As you say, it is the future of farming. Uh, robotics definitely, we, we keep talking about it, but it seems farming or agriculture is slow to embrace it. It's still not quite there yet. Why do you think that is, given that we know that's the direction we're going in? Why aren't more embracing what you're, what, what, the kind of work you're doing? Well,
4: one of the, one of the key differences about us compared to other uh, Agritech startups is our, is our business model. So the, the very first so we first got together, uh, myself and my co-founder Ben Scott Robinson we were actually introduced to each other by Simon Blackmore at Har um, in in early 2017 and the very first thing I did at the beginning of 2017 was to go and talk to a load of farmers, um, and I went and spoke to 50 60 farmers within the first three months uh, around uh, around Shropshire and Cheshire and Staffordshire and and that was one of the main questions I asked, right, so, so, so what is it that's tricky to adopt about, about robotics, you know, everyone agreed that basically this is the way farming's going to go, everyone agreed that we're operating business models at the moment on cereal farms where essentially our revenues are static they haven't really grown in, in in a couple of decades but the costs incurred to generate those revenues are growing all the time. You agree that small smart machines are better, so what's, what's the tricky thing? And it, and it came down to risk for the farmer um, and it was, uh, you know, these first robots um, might be unreliable, they might, they might not work properly, they're going to cost uh, £200,000 or something like that, you know, to, 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 buy, to buy the first one, um, that's too much risk for me as a farmer so we developed a business model that we call farming as a service where basically we lease these robots out on a per hectare basis so the risk to the farmer is is very small. They they come to us and they say, right, well, we'll we will give you two percent or five percent of our wheat area to to go and manage next year, um, and essentially with the service in when the full service is ready, we'll be delivering a healthy crop for that for that um, for that for that five for that five percent. Uh, so the uh, that, that doesn't mean that the so if, if farmers get us to do um, some some drilling with our harry robots that doesn't mean that they sell their tractor it doesn't mean they sell their drill they they try out um some brand new technology uh in a very at a very transparent uh, fee um and if it works then that's great you know they'll have they'll have they'll have saved some money they'll have done things more accurately than they've ever done before uh, and they can expand their coverage with us the following year but, um, but, but, but crucially, the risk to them, the financial risk to them and the technology risk to them is very small. You know, The financial risk is they know what they're signing up to beforehand, it's going to do this many hectares at this rate, um, away it goes. The technology risk, you know, if the robot doesn't work, that's, that's on us as a small robot company. You know, if, if a motor needs replacing or the wheels fall off, then... That's on us, it's not on the farmer. So, and I actually think that this is part of a, a wider trend that we're going to see in farming, um, which will be the end of machinery ownership. I think that. That machinery ownership uh, has stopped working for farmers. Um, it has meant that we've—it's pushed us down a route of always thinking of buying bigger machinery so that we can cover the ground more quickly in a tighter working window. But of course, it means that it makes the working window even tighter because the machinery is heavier. Um, and and I think that 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 has stopped that has stopped working for us. And I think that the job specific kit that we have clogged up in our, in our sheds that only does three weeks work in a year, it's a, it's a poor use of, of capital. Um, and and so i think that this you know this is the model that small robot company are adopting i think that lots of other agritech firms will will see the sense of it and, and, and copy us
1: an extended chat there with sam watson jones of the small robot company with his uh, three small robots aptly named tom dick and harry uh, we'll follow their progress over the coming months
2: the farming program Five day forecast.
1: Yes, let's turn our attention to the week ahead. Uh, Weather wise, dry today. We're looking at highs of five. The wind from the northwest, five to 15 miles an hour. Clear skies for a time tonight, and there could be a frost where that's the case uh, a bit more cover in places though Too generally the low the wind more from the west dying down to around five miles an hour and then through monday we're looking at temperatures of around six again staying dry with some cloud cover the wind from the southwest 15 maybe even gusting at 25 30 miles an hour by the end of the day Because of that wind and the cloud cover that will push temperatures up actually during the night. Monday into Tuesday we're looking at lows of maybe 8 Celsius. The wind from the west gusting at 30 miles an hour. And then through Tuesday that wind strengthening further gusts of 40 miles an hour still from the west. Some sunshine but uh, quite cloudy again in the afternoon. 8 the higher gain for Tuesday clearer skies to start tuesday evening but clouding over again after midnight temperatures generally two celsius the wind more from the northwest 15 still the august of 30 miles an hour and then through wednesday itself five the high should be dry uh, quite cloudy that wind continuing from the north northwest again 15 to 30 miles an hour As for the end of the week, well, it looks like it will stay dry. There is the possibility of some rain, but mostly dry by the looks of things. We're looking at daytime highs between five and seven, overnight lows of around two Celsius. That's the forecast then. It's Lama this coming week for the first time held at the NEC in Birmingham, indoors. So hopefully no cancellation like the second day last year when it was outdoors at the East of England showground. I'll be reporting from Lama on the programme next week. Look out for me. I'll have my new farming programme jacket on, all branded up. You won't be able to miss me. Come and say hello if you do notice me. If not... Make sure you hear me next Sunday at the same time when, as I say, we'll update you what's happening with Lama and we'll hear from Sean Sparling with his first agronomy update for 2019. Have a good week.